It is so great to be here again with you today. My name is Pastor Todd, along with my wife Jan. We're the lead pastors here, and we are just blessed that you're here today on this great day. We're going to be continuing a series that we started a couple weeks ago called Deeper Connections. In fact, I'm going to be continuing part two of my message from last week. It's a PG-13 message, so I want to say this. If you have kids that are under the age of 12, 13 years old, you may not want them to be here because we're going to be talking about sex and all the things that go along with that. So uh, just get, put your seatbelts on. We're going to have some fun uh, digging into some things about what the Bible says when it comes to these important areas of our life. But before I jump into the message, I got a couple little addendums to talk about. With the, uh, the class that you just saw, the Do Well class, it's actually not a 10-week course here. It's going to be a conference-style course that will start next Friday at 6.30, and it will go till on Saturday till about 2.30, 3 o'clock. That's the, the plan for it. It's $20 an individual and $30 for a couple. So we give you a break if you come and do that as a couple. And if you're just wanting to understand God's purposes for finances, maybe you're struggling with debt issues, you're struggling with how to, uh, to do different things, this will be a great opportunity for you to learn some new tools that are going to help you as you move forward. As well, next Saturday on the 3rd at 3 o'clock, we do have a funeral service here for a lady that was a part of our church for many, many years. Her name is Kareen Bishop. If you uh, know Kareen and you want to be a part of that, it'll be at 3 o'clock this coming Saturday. Now, I want to dive into my message here today. And here's what the goal is. Here's what our goal is, is to have a great relationship with your spouse, both inside and outside of the bedroom. Now, here's what we have to understand, that God's, God is the one who created sex. It was his idea. Can I hear an amen for that? That it wasn't man's idea. This is God's idea. And God not only wants us to procreate, to have children, but to have a wonderful time in sharing in this most intimate relationship. Now, who here knows that if you want to figure out the purpose for something, it's best to go to the designer. Now, I have to say this. When I was first married, uh, I was like a lot of married couples, my wife and I were. We did not have a lot of money. Who here knows what it's like when you're first married not to have a lot of money? You, you kind of, you make things work. You make do with things. And so there were, were, were times when I had to do some projects uh, around the house. And so instead of using a ladder, because I didn't have a ladder, I used a chair. You know, I would just use a chair to change the light bulb. You pray to God that you didn't reach too high and fall over and break your neck. I mean, it was, it was an adventure. But one of the things that, that really would frustrate my wife, and I just have to say this, was that I would take, uh, I would need to uh, screw in something like the, the cable. Who here remembers old cable uh, connections where you had the two screws on the back of your TV? You remember those days? And sometimes they would get a little bit loose, so you would, you would screw that on. It could either be for the antenna or the cable. Well, I would take a butter knife out of my wife's drawer. And it just drove her batty. She hated it. Why? Because she'd be like, that's not what the knife is for. The knife is for a knife. But I'm like, honey, we don't have a screwdriver. I'm improvising. Because we understand that the knife wasn't designed to be a screwdriver. It was designed to be a knife, right? So when it comes to relationships, when it comes to sex, who understands that it's the best thing that we can do is go to the designer. Go to 
what, who made us and created us. And so when we understand that, we understand that God was the designer. And so here's what God's idea is for this important relationship. God's idea is that it would be between a man and a woman in the context of marriage. That his design, his desire is that this relationship would best be experienced between one man and one woman. Now, I know there's a lot of differing opinions out there. There are a lot of different thoughts when it comes to things. We have television and media that are trying to tell us, you know what, it's no big deal that you can, you know, it's a natural thing that you can have sex at any time. I I shared last week how free love really isn't free. That free love produces bondage. It doesn't produce freedom. That when we do things outside of God's will, it it causes hurt. And you know, there's a lot of people out there that are saying that that you should do things this way, like Hollywood actors and and actresses that are just like, it's no big deal. Well, why would I want to listen to people? Tell, I just, this is my thought. Why would I want to listen to people whose marriages are messed up? who don't understand what relationships are. You see, I don't care what society says because they're dead wrong on this issue. I care what God says about things. So the question then is how do we have great marriages? How do we experience everything that God has for us to to talk about? Well, I wanna say this as a caveat as I begin, that there's much to be learned through this message that I'm gonna share with you today, whether you're happily single or desiring to get married at some point in your life, or you're married, or you're in between many different things, there are some things that I believe God is gonna speak to you today. Now, I wanna go back to the scripture that was kind of the key to our message last week because we're continuing on this message. And it is in the chapter of 1 Corinthians chapter six. Now, this book of the Bible was a letter that, w- that Paul was responding to. Actually, the Corinthians had written him a letter saying, we're not sure what to do about some things. There's some crazy stuff happening within our church. Like I, I shared last week, when I talk about crazy, like incestual relationships. A mother and her son were, were being intimate with each other. And, the, and the, so the leader of the church is like, Paul, what do we do? And so he responds back to them, with this, and I'm gonna, we're going to start in, in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 18. It says this. Here's what his first response is. Run from sexual sin. He says, run from it. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against, one's, against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? who lives in you and was given to you by God. You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. Now, I, was, I could read one through four, but mostly it's just talking about the whole idea of whether or not it's a good idea to get married. And Paul, who de- never got married, was like, hey, if you don't have to, it's great if you don't. But if you're gonna struggle with temptation, it's better that you get married. And so then this is what he goes on to say about it in verse five. He says, do not deprive each other, your husband or your wife, of sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so that you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. Afterward, you should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. 
I say this as a concession, not as a command. I love that for him. He's just like, I guess, this is what you have to do. You see, I I shared last week, I understood at a very early age that yes, that was something I would have to do, that I could not be a celibate man my whole life. Hallelujah. You know, there are other people here that would say, "I, I get what you're saying, Pastor Todd. I think the majority of us fall into that boat. All right, we've established that. So when Paul is talking to us, what's the first thing that he says? He says, first of all, flee from sexual immorality. He's saying, run away from it. Don't yield to it. Don't give in to it. Don't entertain it. Don't play around with it. Run, run, run. Now, why would he say that? Well, you have to understand the audience that he was addressing. It was the Corinthian church. And in Corinth, there was this temple to the goddess Aphrodite. Now, we have heard the word, who here has ever heard of the word aphrodisiac? Things that you eat to increase desire. Well, that's where it comes from. She was known as the goddess of love, and her temple was located in Corinth. And so they understood what immorality was all about. In the, in the, in the temple and the goddess of, of uh, Aphrodite, there were over a thousand shrine prostitutes or temple prostitutes, both men and women. And so it was a a city that was on a a seaport, and so sailors and salesmen and people would come from all over, and they knew that this place was a a place of lots of drinking and lots of sex. And so people would look forward to coming there to experience these things. And in the middle of it, here comes the Corinthian church. It, It rises up. And so guess what the struggles were within the church? And so Paul is helping them. He's saying, look, look, here's what you need to do. Flee sexual immorality. And here's how you do it. The way that you do it, you've you got two choices. Either you can become like me, be celibate. Jesus is going to be your strength your whole life. Or you need to get married. That's how you handle it. You, you get married and you fulfill these desires in your life through the woman or the man that God has joined you with. That's the plan. You see, today I believe there's a battle over our hearts and our minds for purity. It's a, it's a challenge, and whether you're married or single or somewhere in between, it's always a battle. And, and, and I used to believe this, that when, when I was a, a single teenager that, uh, that got, became a Christian that really began to serve Jesus when I was 14 years old, I thought this, that when I got married, it, that, that I wouldn't be tempted anymore. But who here knows, the enemy just changes the game. He just changes the temptations. And so... There's a battle for purity. We, we value purity sometimes whether we realize it or not. Who, who here knows there's a big difference between 10 karat gold, 14 karat gold, 18 karat gold, and 24 karat gold? Who here would say, you know what, Pastor Todd, if I had a choice and you gave me an ounce of gold, I would choose the 10 karat gold over the 24 karat gold? Nobody would do it. Why? Because the value is greatly diminished. We, we value the purity. We want the purest stuff. Now, how about, who here knows there's also a high value on organic food these days? How many of you have gone organic? You, you look for organic. Why? Because you don't want animals that are eating yucky stuff. You don't want them in, in bad cages. You want them to be natural, free-range animals, not with antibiotics. We want things that are pure, that are nice. We want our chickens to be as free range as possible. Now here's something that I always find interesting. 
You know, you go to the store and you can buy olive oil, and they call it extra virgin olive oil. How do you make something extra virgin? Either it is or it is not. You know, either it's pure. I I didn't know you could go extra on this. But the reason that they say it is because it puts in our mind, oh, that is really pure. I'm going to buy that. I'll pay more money for the extra virgin olive oil. We pay money for water, bottles of water, bottled water. Man, who here wishes that 20 years ago you would have thought of this? Look, if I put water, I take it out of my tap and I put it in a bottle, I can sell this to people. And they'll buy it. They'll think it is awesome and wonderful. In fact, we will pay a lot of money because some of it, we, we don't really know where the water comes from, but some are like, this water comes from the Swiss Alps, from a pure glacier. Oh, I'll pay $5 for that. Flies in. Now, now we, we value, they fly, we value purity. Now, I ask this now, who here would love a bottle of water? You like it, you could use a drink right now. Now, what would you say if I said that this lid, I accidentally dropped it on the bathroom floor? How many would still want this water? There's a few people in the last, there's a, there's a hand there, okay. We got some fear factor people that are here. What if I told you that just a cap full of water I took out of the toilet and I put it in here. Now, who would be like, I'm going to drink that one? No, nobody would take that. If you raise your hand, I'm going to have people come and take you out for mental. We would never do that. We value purity. The world values purity whether they realize it or not. It's just sometimes we don't honor purity when it comes to our relationships between men and women. And sometimes I know that there are people that have made decisions that say, you know what, I don't want to fall into temptation. I want to live an honorable life. I want to work hard, but sometimes they can get around people. And I know what it was like being a young adult where people would mock you if you said, you know what, they're like, hey, hey, how long have you been seeing that girl? Have you guys slept together yet? Like, it's somehow it's your business to know. If I did, I wouldn't even tell you anyways but you can begin to feel like there's something wrong with you if, you don't, if you're not like everybody else. We can get into the place where we, 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 we have people, I know that there are some young people and I honor them. I wasn't quite at, at this level in my life where they're like, we're not gonna kiss each other till we, our wedding day. And some people be like, you're weird. But you know what, let me say this, because there are some young, single people that are listening to my message today. There's never one person that ever said in their life, I regret being too pure. There's never a person that said, you know what, I wish I wouldn't have done things like that. But there are other things that we can have regrets with. And you know what I want to say this day, because I'm not here to bring condemnation on people. I'm not here to bring judgment on people. I say that it's never too late to start. Whatever you have been experiencing, you know what, you can say today, you know what, God, to the best of my ability, with your grace, with your strength, with your help, I'm gonna walk in purity. You see, there's a battle for purity. 
It's a battle that we're fighting. And, and, and there's even a battle for purity that's different for men than it, than it is for women. And, and I've been talking the last few weeks. Now, when I, I share certain generalities, I want you to know they're generalities. Don't take it as gospel. Don't sit there and go, well, I totally disagree with you, Pastor Todd. You know, I, here, here's our generalities. that m- Men typically want physical intimacy or sex more than women do. I had some women that came up to me last week and said, that's not true. I was like, didn't need to know. <laughs> Love ya. No, it's all good. I'm just joking. Where women want a man to connect with their heart. They want, they want, a, lo- they want a friend. They want somebody that they can share their life with. Now, I want to be able to share my life too, but more times than not, we understand that the desire for intimacy is more strong in the male gender. Now, we said this, that men are more like microwaves and women are like crockpots. You see, a man can be ready on a... We don't even need notice. We don't need to, to have somebody say, you know what I've been thinking about? Yes, the answer is always pretty much, yeah. I've had a bad day, I've had a good day, I'm happy, I'm sad. It's always a good time. Which baffled my wife. She's like, ah, it doesn't work like that for me. We talked about their crock pots, that you gotta, you, gotta, you gotta put some energy into just to loving them and setting the stage. I talked about last week how, how it's important to, it starts in the morning, it starts at breakfast, it starts with a, hey, I'm, I love you, a little kiss, a little peck on the cheek. Hey, throughout the day, a text message saying, I'm thinking about you. Lunchtime saying, how's your day going? You know, all of those things, helping out with the, the kids after dinner, all that stuff makes a difference. And I shared how some guys are like, well, I don't do that stuff. And then I said, well, you just don't like sex either, do you? <laughs> because there's truth in the way that we interact and the way that we relate to each other that we're trying to win win the hearts and and to captivate each other's hearts. It's an important thing. Well, today I want to talk about how men are more visually aroused or stimulated where women are more aroused by touch. And and, and, and when I say touch, it's not just physical touch, it's emotional touch. It's, It's where we're at. And so there's some challenges that this creates and things that we need to overcome in this battle for purity. You know, I asked this question, why do you think billions of dollars a year are spent on beauty products for women? Why do women buy it? Because men like it. Because it's part of, now some of you are like, that's very chauvinistic. You're just a chauvinistic pastor guy. (laughs) No, I'm talking about the reality of it is, is that there's a desire for, some, for women to be chaste, to be desirable. And so there's lots of money that's made on these things because of how men are attracted visually to women. Am I right? Okay, some guys are like, I don't want to say that too loud. Did you know that as many men buy Cosmopolitan magazine as women do? Because they, men are wanting to understand, well, how does a woman think? What am I, what's going on in her mind Did you know that over half the bandwidth of the internet industry today is controlled by the pornography industry? That's how strong it is, visual. Now, 
for the most part, us guys are, uh, are a little clueless when we're young. There is a, a point in our life where we begin to notice girls. It's usually by the, around the age of 11 to 13, maybe 14. Now, it's not that we don't notice that we have a mom and a sister, but they're our mom and our sister. You know, I, I remember there was a time when I went to school, I did not know that girls existed. I was into tag, playing football, doing stuff with my buddies, Lego. It was all cool. Girls could come over. I, I still, I, this is funny, I still remember when, when I first started helping with the junior high students in our church, we had a, a girl's sleepover and a guy's sleepover. This, this, this cap, encapsulate this the best way. And the girls thought it would be awesome to come and surprise the boys at the house they were staying at. And so all of a sudden, the girl showed up, and they were like, hi. And the boys were like, can you move over? I'm trying to play this video game. Totally clueless. I remember when the, when, when the awakening happened for me. I, I was in grade five. I was 11 years old. And I'll never forget that I went from football to this, and all of a sudden, I noticed the girl sitting next to me. Woo! I went home, Mom, there's a girl in my class. Yes, that's great, son. That's, there's lots of girls. No, no, there's a girl. <laughs> oh, yeah, she's pretty, and she, she's got red hair and brown eyes. Oh, like, it was so good, and, and it was a great thing for me at 11 years old until I told my friend who told his friend who told her friend who told her, and then I remember I was out on the playground, and she came up to me, and she went whack right across the face. Well, that set me back a couple years. <laughs> Girls, not nice. Okay, go back. You know, the truth is it's a minefield out there. Men were attracted by sight. And the way that women dress has a big impact on the battle that goes on in our minds. And I think it's important for us to understand this. You, you, there, 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 there's a scripture that Peter was talking about where he said, Everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. And, and sometimes we can look at liberty and freedom and, 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 the, and the way that things are, but, but I want to say this to the young ladies here, that the way you dress has a big impact on the challenges that men face. Now, remember I was having this conversation at work. This lady was not a follower of Jesus, and she was talking to me, and she's like, I don't understand why guys are always staring at me. And I said, okay, can I, can I talk to you? Can I be honest with you? Can I, I'm going to be candid with you. I don't want to say this publicly. And she was like, all right, well, I just, I don't get it. And I said, maybe it's because your blouse goes all the way down to your belly button. Well, what do you mean? I said, well, the, the, there's not a lot of hidden stuff here. It's hard for guys not to look at you. Huh? Well, she said, well, that's just their problem. And I said, no, it's our problem. And I say that as a church community that we need to understand. Again, we're not asking. I, I, when I, I talk about this, I know that some people are like, oh, great. He's going to ask us to go back to like Little House on the Prairie where the, our dresses go down to our ankles and we wear long sleeve shirts and they go up to, no, there's a way to be who uh, feminine, there's a way to be pretty, there's a way to do things, but the world is pushing things to be sexy and more sensual. 
and it's creating problems for people. And we've got to help each other. We've got to be strong for each other. Yeah. You see, what a man really desires is mystery. What's really captivating to a man's heart is the chase. It's the imagination. It's the wonderment of what, what is really behind the curtain, if I can say it that way. That there's something that's enticing about that. You see, it's one thing for us in the context of our homes and our bedrooms to be provocative and do those things. I think that's totally within reason. But when it comes to what we do publicly, I think we've got to let God say, you know what, how do we help each other and pursue purity and love and holiness? And I say this to the men that are here, one of the greatest things that you can do that will help this is let your wife know how beautiful she is every day. Let her know how much you think about her, how you care about her. I I say this, my wife and I have been married for almost 24 years. It's unbelievable. And I tell her, you know what, I am still so into you. You are just so amazing and you're so wonderful. And she's like, no, I'm not. And I'm like, yes, you are. My wife's like, why do you make me sound like that? (laughs) That is not how I sound. And I say this, men, let your daughters know how wonderful they are, how beautiful they are. Let them know that you are so, you, you just think they're the most precious things in the world and they won't go looking in other places for things anyways. When it comes to the ladies, well, what is it that brings them into a place of, uh, what arouses them? Well, it's touch. It's physical touch. And I believe this, that we, we, we sometimes, I, I, I shared this. I, I remember that, that, that sometimes guys are clueless, especially young guys. Now, if there's older guys, that I, I, I hate it when I see handsy men. It's like, they're like octopuses. It's not your wife. Get your hands off her. I'm not talking about you husbands. You can be an octopus, whatever you want to do. But there's something about touch that can kindle things in a, in a young, in a woman. You see, in 1 Corinthians 7, 1, Paul wrote this. He says, it's not good for a man to touch a woman. And he said that because he knows that once things are started, that, that, that there's a natural progression of where they should lead. And he said, just don't go down that road unless you have the ability to fulfill what is being stirred up here. Now, I remember that I, I had this, um, this young man, and I thought I, I, I shared this in the first service last week, didn't share it with you guys, but I wanted it today. He, he came and he was a an older, he was like a grade 9, grade 10 student. I remember he came to our youth camp, and I was the youth pastor, and I just noticed him. He was like giving back rubs to all the girls. He's just like, ooh. You know, he's just going around, he's making his, and I could just see that all these girls are just like, oh, because he's good looking, he was a little bit older. And so I said, you know what, I need to have a chat with this young man. Because I need him to understand a couple things. I just need him to understand. So I invited him to come to the campfire with me in the middle of the day. No fire yet. 
because we're trying to put fires out at this time, not kindle them anyways. That's a whole nother. And so I remember that he came, I remember that he came out to the, the campfire with me, and I was like, hey, I, he was new. I was like, I'm so glad that you're here, and man, I just am, I think that it's great that God brought you here. I believe God wants to speak to you. He's going to encourage you. He wants to help you. And I said, just, just one thing. I, just, I mean, I notice that you're just really affectionate with the, the girls. I'm going to ask you to stop. And if you don't stop, I want you to understand this, that if you touch another girl, I'll break both of your legs. <laughs> I will break your legs so bad you will limp for the rest of your life. People will ask you what was wrong with you, and you'll say, I met this youth pastor who busted my legs. Why? Because I was touching the girls at the camp. And then I said, I slapped him on the back, and I said, I just hope you have a great week. <laughs> no problems. There was not another problem that week. Touch, physical touch, it's part of what brings a woman into that place. And so I'm just saying that's why it's important in marriage relationships that a lot of times you you hear, you, you read about on the news, you hear about stories where people quit touching each other. And I believe it's important as men that we love our wives, that we're kind, that we're compassionate. I'm not just talking about pie and Talking about kindness, gentleness. You love her. She's the greatest thing that God gave to you. Come on. It's a privilege. Yeah. It's why cuddling and foreplay and all those things are important. And we need to be mindful of this. Well, we also emotionally are called to touch our wives. Words have power. I'm thinking about you. I miss you. I can't wait to see little texts, little notes, little things. And, and, and again, I, I say this. If you don't do it, be careful because somebody else might. And we've got to guard our hearts. Ladies, we've got to guard our hearts. Husbands, you've got to guard her heart. Keep her, her love tank full so that she doesn't want to look for anywhere else. We've got to guard our hearts. You see, most affairs start in the heart. And they begin with emotions and they begin with things going down a different path because there's something about emotional touch. There's a longing to say, come on, am I desirable? Am I valuable? Am I beautiful? So what's the answer for all of this? In Proverbs chapter 15, verses 5, I mean chapter 5, verse 15 to 18, the writer of Proverbs says this, drink water from your own well. Share your love with your wife. Why spill water of your sp- the water of your springs in the streets having sex with just anyone? You should reserve it for yourselves. Never share it with strangers. Let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. <laughs> I believe this, that part of God's solution for this need, part of what will help us to walk in purity is that it's sexual connection in marriage. It's important to keep your sex life healthy. I should get lots of amens for that at least. Sir. It's important to keep your sex life healthy. Why it provides physical, emotional, and spiritual connection. It keeps our hearts and souls bonded together. 
And I say this when two people are satisfied. They don't look for satisfaction in other places. It's just the way that it is. Hebrews 13 verse 4 says the marriage bed should be honored by all. And the marriage bed kept pure for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. I believe there is a battle for purity even in marriage. There's things that want to creep into our bedroom. And I want to talk for the last part of my message of things that need to stay out of your bedroom. You want to have a good sex life? This is what can't be in the bedroom with you. First of all, number one, past mistakes. Past mistakes. You know, I'm I'm speaking to adults here. I'm speaking to a crowd of people that are in different places in their walk and their relationship with God. There's a good chance that many of us have made some mistakes in our life when it comes to relationships, sexual relationships. Some of us maybe grew up where we we didn't know the truth. Maybe some of us just fell into temptation. The, the, The issue here today isn't, like I said, for me to bring judgment upon you. But it's to say that sometimes things can happen in our world that affect us. And if we don't deal with those things properly, if we don't deal with it, they can affect us for a long time in our relationships. In fact, sometimes they can creep back into our marriages. We don't realize it because we just say, you know, like I don't really want to deal with it. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to, I don't want to go there. And so we, we tend to, to bury things. And I, I've watched in, in relationships when things are not dealt with like this, they kind of rear their head in the craziest places, like after the birth of a child or, or, or when there's a, a moving into a new house or, or getting a new job, that all of a sudden there, there's things that happen in the relationship. And it creates distrust and disunity. And a lot of times they're like, well, what's going on? And maybe one partner doesn't know that there were were some things that were in your past. And, And so if we don't deal with it, the guilt and the condemnation and all the things that are associated with it can all of a sudden create a disconnection. And so what I want to say today is that you need to be willing to deal with it, that we need to be honest about our sin. The Bible says confess your sin one to another. I believe this, that one of the things that we need to do is bring more things and expose more things to the light. When they're exposed to the light, it takes away the power that the enemy has over our lives. And so who do you share it with? Well, first of all, probably with your partner, you got to say, hey, this is what happened, but get help. Go to a leader. Go to somebody that you can work through things with that will help you so that you can walk in freedom and liberty and that the enemy will not have power over your life. Be accountable if you need to to somebody who's strong, but don't bring the past into your bedroom. How about this, number two, immoral thinking. Now, when I talk about immoral thinking, I already mentioned it earlier that one of the greatest things that's happened with the advancement of the internet is pornography. Listen to this, Out of all the marriages that end in divorce, 56% of them do so because of pornography being at the center. Over half of the broken marriages do so because of pornography. You see, the enemy wants to trap us any way that he can. 
He wants to harm us any way that he can. And, and, and I know this, that you can be completely innocent, not looking for things, and there's stuff that's just being plastered out there trying to draw you in. I mean, just the other day, a Facebook, I had a friend request, and, and one of the things that I do is instead of clicking yes, I click on the person's name, I, I see what's going on, and I clicked on their name, and all of a sudden, boom. Uh, nope. But see, there's a challenge. Either you say, oh, wait a second, I want to check it out. Nobody's around, nobody's going to know, nobody's going to see anything, it's no big deal. And there it is, battle, fight. You see, the problem with pornography that we have to understand, and I, I might be speaking to some young person here that you're, you're dabbling with it, or maybe there's the, the, the reality is that there are probably people that are battling with this, is that it's not real. It's unnatural. It's not how sex really works. And so we get people that are, that are wanting to do things. They're, they're wanting their wife to be a gymnast. I'm going to be honest with you. Things that nobody can do. Nobody can lift their head over their head like that. I'm just telling you. It doesn't work. And I'm not trying to be crude. I'm just trying to be honest. And so then it brings expectations into the marriage relationship that are unreal. They're not truthful. And so it creates problems. And, and, and the problems that it can create is sometimes then normal, natural things do not, do not create arousal anymore. And without God's touch and healing, it can damage relationships and hurt the self-esteem of both the person who's struggling with the sin and the partner that's with them. It ruins Good relationships because it brings somebody else into the bedroom. And I believe this today. If you're struggling, God wants to help you. God wants to change where things are at. God can heal your life. God can heal your relationship. He can break this thing off of your life so that you can be free. That's the hope of Jesus Christ. That's why I'm talking about it today. Now, some are like, well, okay, that men mostly struggle with pornography, even though it's growing with women. But women tend to struggle with other things like, I want to use this word, fantasy. Fantasy, what do I mean by that? Well, that, you know, when things aren't going good in our relationship, we can begin to wonder, well, I wonder what things are like if, with that guy. Look how nice he is. He treats his wife so good. He's so kind. Oh, and we can begin to develop fantasy thoughts of what, it, things could be like with somebody else. Well, what, what if this amazing man lavished attention on me and our hearts can begin to wander, we can begin to go into other directions. Did you know that there are billions of dollars spent every year on Harlequin books? Books that are just about relationships, about the passion of the heart. They're not nice books. I've gone into homes of Christians that are just like, you, you, go, you go into the bathroom and there's a stack of these books on the toilet. You're like, wow, what's going on here? The heart is being pulled away. It's being divided. There are many movies and television programs that feast on these longings and these desires. Again, we need to resist bringing other people into our bedroom. We need to guard our hearts and our minds. Do not let the enemy fool you for a second thinking just a little bit will be okay. What did Paul say that we're to do with sexual immorality? Run! I'm telling you today, run, run, 
run. What do we do if we're struggling? Again, we bring it into the light. We confess our sins if we need to. We ask for forgiveness when necessary. And we become accountable. And I'm going to say, if you're going to be accountable to somebody, I don't recommend that your accountability partner is your spouse. If you're a man, find another strong man to walk with. If you're a woman, find a strong woman to walk with. Again, it doesn't mean that you hide things from your spouse. It's just that's not who your accountability partner would be in this. The last thing I want to talk about, and I know we're starting to run out of time, that we don't want to bring into our bedroom is conflict and unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is one of the greatest thieves of awesome sex. You see, I'm not just talking about, well, the past mistakes, this thing. This is about just living life with somebody, that that things happen. When you love somebody, when you care about somebody, there are things that happen in life that can hurt each one of us. And if we hold on to those mistakes, if we don't let go, if if we're just like, you know what, you were such a jerk, and I'm not ever going to, I don't even want to look at you right now. I don't want to look at you for a week. You know, we can create big problems and patterns that begin to be formed in our relationship. And you see, if we don't forgive, if we don't let go of things, if we don't deal with our conflict, then, then we can sometimes do what I call have obliga- uh, obligatory sex. Obligatory? Ah. You know what I'm saying. Where it's just like your heart's not into it. Body's there, but your heart's not into it. Nobody wants that. We need to make it our goal to forgive each other liberally. We need to do our best to keep the hurt scoreboard at zero, zero. Ephesians 4.26 says this, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Why did Paul write that? Why did he say that? Because he understood that, it was, that, the, that we needed to understand, hey, if you got stuff that's going on, confess it, deal with it, work on it, let it go, because you don't want to keep carrying this stuff with you. Because it destroys relationship. It's the breakdown of a lot of times of relationship. I know of people that, that, that go back to, well, this happened 10 years ago, and they haven't let go of it in their marriage, and it's all of a sudden created a root of bitterness, which is very difficult to deal with, by the way. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't allow yourself to become disconnected in your marriage. I remember early in our marriage, we used to fight, and they would last for days. It was a chicken contest. Who's going to blink first? Well, I'm not saying I'm sorry. I'm going to wait for her to say she's sorry. She's like, oh, I'm not saying I'm sorry. And we'd wait, and we'd wait. And we'd spend days, and and it was just terrible, and it wasn't very much fun, just so that you could say that you're the one who didn't say you're sorry first. Now I've learned, I'm like, man, I don't have time for that stuff. An hour, two hours, hey, I'm, this is enough. I'm, this wears me out. I'm too old for that bitterness stuff. It's just not fun anymore. I mean, I, I, I still like you. Let's, let's, let's work on that part. But we have to make sure that we don't ignore the issues. That we have to understand that if we love people, that healthy conflict is part of any good relationship. But in order to do that, we got to make sure that we deal with our stuff. You know what? It might require some courage for some of us here. Maybe you've been not dealing with stuff for a long time. I know what it's like in marriage where you just kind of like, 
Well, we'll get to that another time. We'll get to that later. It doesn't really work that way. Or you go on to the other extreme where when you guys have it out, you are full on having it out. Plates are being thrown. Doors are being slammed. Things are going crazy. The wall, there are paint is coming off the wall. I want to say this. Words can do great damage. Maybe you need to put into your conflict resolution plan that you're going to have timeouts. Maybe you need to have more timeouts where you just say, you know, I'm getting out of control. I'm not liking what I'm about ready to say. I'm going to do something that I'm probably going to regret. Let's take a timeout. But we have to also learn to use the right words when we're in conflict. Can I tell you two words that you need to eliminate from your vocabulary? Always and never. That you always are like this and you never do this and you can't do this. You you have to understand that nobody, that's a lie because nobody always does something. As much as you're like, well, no, my, my husband always does do that. Or my wife, she never, never does that. No, get rid of that. Those are very difficult things to battle with. Or you got to be careful that you, that, that the words that you use are, that, that you want to make sure that you are careful. Like I just told you before that, that I, I said about my wife that somehow conflict is dumb. You got to be careful when you say things like that because that can be interpreted as I think you're dumb. Words are important. We need to make sure that we're careful. Gary Smalley says that sometimes those little things that we say, one of the great relationship gurus of my time, he passed away a couple years ago, said it like this, that words are either like pebbles. You know, sometimes we say something, we think it's just a pebble. Oh, that's not a big deal. Little dig. But he says the way that your partner hears it is like a boulder that's being dropped on them. It crushes them. It crushes their heart. It crushes their spirit. Words can be weapons. We need to stick to the issues. Attack the problem, not the person. Remember, you love that person. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers. We need also to do this, and this is one of the hardest ones. Seek the other person's good. Remember that you're on the same team. You love them. You may not feel like it right now, but you love them. Come on. And give them time, but forgive them from your heart. I'm going to have Margot come up here today. I hope that I've helped some people today. I hope that I... I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think there's a series I've done that I've been more uncomfortable preaching. But I believe God wants to help you and he wants to help me. And I believe that God wants to help us even today And maybe you're here today. I I, I just got to say this. You see, whether you're married or you're not married, we all can have a past. We can all have things that, that the enemy tries to beat us over the head with. Mistakes we've made. It can be in the area of purity and immorality that maybe... You, you did some things that you regret at one point in your life. Don't let those things hold you back any longer. Give them to Jesus. Let Jesus deal with it. Bring it into the light. Let God help you. Maybe you're here today, and, and I, I talked a bit about pornography and fantasy. Maybe that's something you're, you're battling with. Take this opportunity. May, let, allow the grace of God to come and begin to set you free to help you. You don't have to walk around with that dark cloud hovering over your life. 
God wants to help you and heal you. And for, for many of you today, it, it could be you're going to come and you're going to confess this. You're going to right now pray about it and God's going to just break that thing off of you. But for others, I, I know there was a, a season in my teenage young adult years that I struggled with some things and it took some time. But I can tell you today that I'm walking in freedom because Jesus is bigger, bigger than any sin, bigger than any challenge, bigger than any problems that we might have. And he wants to help you today. And maybe you're here and you're just, your relationship, you're just like, man, I'm so mad at her. I'm so mad at him. I can't believe that God gave me a jerk. Well, that wasn't what you initially thought. It wasn't when you first got married, but things happen. And so God's saying to you, will you let go? Will you forgive? Will you release? Maybe for some of you, it's your relationship with your parents. Maybe for others of you, it's your relationship. There's a lot of things that we can have unforgiveness on. Deal with it. Let's let God deal with us today.